Welcome to the Fertility Podcast. I'm Natalie Selfman, your host. I've been uh, using my voice in my work for about 15 years now. I used to be on the radio. Now I'm podcasting and do a lot of voiceover work. Now, the Fertility Podcast has a whole host of episodes for you from adenomyosis to zero sperm. It's total A to Z of all sorts of things that affect you on your fertility journey. I'm mum to a little boy called Phoenix after having successful ICSI treatment, and that was my reason for starting the podcast. And I hope that if you found us, then you'll realise that you are not alone. This podcast is to help educate and empower you. I brought together as many experts and try to share as many of your stories as possible and I now have my wonderful co-host. I'm Kate Davis, a fertility nurse consultant and I'm adamant that we can all do so much better at understanding our fertility. I'm really passionate about teaching you to take ownership of your fertility, teaching you practical steps, emotional coping strategies and lifestyle changes that you can make to hopefully optimise your chances of conceiving. Now you know who we are, all you need to do is enjoy the show. So we're back yeah. once again, back once again from the Renegade Master. How are you, Kate? I'm good, thank you. Busy. It's crazy beginning of the year. Um, everyone keeps asking me, how was my Christmas? But it just seems like ages ago now that I can't really think about that. Are you still um, saying Happy New Year to people? I've stopped now. I think we're done with that. Nobody's really said it to me for a while, so I think you're possibly right. Because we're talking mid-January, we're probably sharing this at the end of Jan. So yeah, we're done, we're done. We're in it, we're, we're done. into 2020. We've, we've moved on. How about you? How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I've had a really weird thing going on with my nose. I've had like one really blocked flowing, that's a bit of a contradiction, but it was, it's been a blocked <laughs> nose that I've been able to blow constantly. It's very strange. Sinusy, so I've been having some sinus medicine, very exciting. And have you been gargling? Why should I gargle? Will that help? Well, I don't know, it might help. It's a whole thing, isn't it? It's not just your nose, it's a whole viral infection. Oh, I didn't think I had an infection. Uh, well, uh, you know, as a as a broadcaster, you must know which are the best um, throat sweets to... Oh, yeah, I do. But I've Which got... ones are they? Well, it depends what's going on, because there's, there's, there's... Oh, I can't remember the name. I got a really good one recently that um, I gave to my mum that were for members of parliament as well as actors. There's one called Vocal Zone, which lots of actors use, but it actually numbs your throat. But there's this other one I've got. I can't remember the life life of me. I'll find it and I'll put it on the the show notes. A little while ago when I was in a choir, like a a groovy, funky choir, not a choir. Rock choir. choir. It wasn't the rock choir, but it was a similar type of thing. In fact, it was a military wives choir. Not the military wives choir. It was a throw off of that. It wasn't actually, just in case anyone's listening. Um, Our kind of musical director, you know, she wouldn't let us drink milk or have tea before we started singing. And why is that, that, Kate? What have you learned about having milk before you're doing broadcasting? Because it can make you claggy, is that right? Yeah, claggy mouth. Kind of dairy. Yeah. Don't claggy mouth. So you'll be pleased to know I've not had any tea or milk or well done. sparkling water next to me. <laughs> anyway, we digress. So Kate and I have had a little break um, over kind of Christmas and, and the start of the new year because we really wanted to take stock on what the podcast has been doing for you and kind of dig a bit deeper in what the podcast can continue to do for you. Now, if you were listening to... Now, what you will have heard us do before, which we're going to continue to do, is our Meet the Makers series, which is when we love hearing about you, if you have created something as a result of your fertility struggles, because it's like the good that comes out of the bad, and there's so many different ways that this can manifest itself. We've talked to um, 
Tom and Katie who made socks, didn't we? Mm, we talked we to Natalie with her beautiful IVF um, journals. And, and Caroline um, with her biscuits. Caroline with the biscuits. There's such lovely ways. And we know that there's such an amazing community, especially on Instagram, for people to kind of talk about their wares and sell their wares, so to speak. And what you're going to hear today is a chat that I had with a lovely lady called Lucy, who um, is mother of one on Instagram, and she has created the Rainbow Running Club. Now, Kate, were you already following Lucy before you heard the chat? No, I wasn't. So I obviously now am, but I'm absolutely fascinated by this. And I really want to speak to her because I want to um, get her to come to my area. Because <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, the thing is that Lucy is setting up these running clubs all over. She came to Manchester. She actually came to my house, which is what you're going to hear. And you'll hear her explain what the plans are for the running club. And um, as she came to my house, Kate wasn't here. So um, Kate is going to have a listen with you to the episode. And then she's going to tell us what she thinks. So if you want a cup of tea right now, feel free. If you're on the move, then um, all the details of how you can get in touch with Lucy will be at the end but um if you've been wanting to maybe find some like-minded ladies that you can go running with then this is exactly what you need to hear here's lucy now so it is the most yucky sunday morning and i've got a guest in my front room <laughs> lucy from the rainbow running club welcome to my house thank you very much for having me <laughs> So Lucy's up in Manchester to do one of her runs, which we're going to talk a bit more about. This is all part of my Meet the Makers series, and um, I'm quite delighted that you've come to me. I was hoping to come and do the run, but the timing is not. I've got a children's party, that's the big present, wrapped in a baby shark paper next to you. But the Meet the Makers series is about people that have created something as a result of what they've been through, and I've seen you on Instagram, and we'll talk about the Instagram community and, and the power yes. of that, and reached out and I saw bits and bobs that was going on and, and, and I'm so pleased that I've got to meet you in the flesh because yes, it doesn't always happen. Me too. So just start with you. Tell me a bit more about you and what's gone on and then we can talk about what you're doing now. I love the little sparkly talk. Oh, talk yeah. All of that. So um, what led you to be sat in front of me here? So our story started five years ago when we decided that we wanted to start having a family and we fell pregnant quite quickly but I had a miscarriage at seven weeks and then nothing. Two years of nothing happening. We had all the tests, they couldn't find any reason why, but we went down the IVF route because they couldn't understand why I wasn't getting pregnant naturally. Um, and on our second attempt of IVF, we had our daughter, so we were really fortunate. And did you get funding for your treatment? No, we or didn't. We, we got to the two-year mark, which was the point we needed to be at to qualify, and then they changed the rules in our area. Right. And it had to be three years, and by that point, we didn't want to wait any longer. So we decided to go private. So you're still unexplained? Yes, yeah, still yeah. unexplained. So we found a lovely clinic, went to them. Uh, our first round of IVF, I got ovarian hyperstimulation. So we had to freeze all of our embryos. Um, and then when I was better, we did a frozen cycle and I got pregnant. So that was amazing. Just tell me a bit about the OHSS. How poorly were you? Um, I blew up like a balloon. I, was, I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't drink anything. I was in such agony and I couldn't move. And they said that if they went ahead and transferred the embryo that and I got pregnant, it would continue and it would get worse. Did you know much about it at the time it no, happened? No, I didn't. And I knew it was something that might possibly happen, but I wasn't at risk of it happening. Yeah. 
they didn't expect it to happen, so they were quite surprised by it as well. Um, and how long were you poorly? It took a good month for really? my body to so go to back to normal. Work and yeah, well, at this point I was at home, so I was really grateful for that because okay. it meant that I could just yeah. go and back were you to normal. In bed? Yes. Yeah. Because I just couldn't move. I was in such pain. So, and so what, what do they? What do you? What do you have to do? You'd, I just had to have anti-sickness injections, right. and then just drink lots and just rest and wait for everything to recover. So I knew that it wasn't the right time to go ahead with the transfer because you're I just scared. Thought, I was scared because yeah. I think OHSS we talk about it more, but I still don't think we talk about it enough. And the people that have have kind of had it, it's been such a shock. And I think. I know, like you say, you weren't at risk, and I know it's hard for the clinics to know. Yes. Well, I think the, the certain criteria that mean that, that women are at risk, but I think we need to have more conversation about the impact of it and, yes. and just that, that awareness of because it's so debilitating, isn't it? It is, like, and I didn't expect that, and I was really frightened because I thought I expected to feel a bit bloated afterwards, but I couldn't lay down. Like all my in- organs were like wow. squashed. So it's it's a reaction, is it? Yes, it's a reaction. So when they remove the eggs from the ovaries the sacs that they were in then fill with fluid so both of my ovaries are like the size of grapefruits and then obviously all that fluid in your body is just putting so much pressure and the pain so I was just like constant pain yeah there's no pain relief not really because as well I wasn't sure if I was going to go ahead with the transfer so you have to keep up all the hormones and everything so we got to day five when it would have been my transfer day and I went in and we all decided that it wasn't the right time to go ahead. Because okay. I just thought, I can't eat or drink, this isn't the right environment. Yeah, I want to be put, in a good place. Yeah, this isn't the right environment. So I was really, really upset that then obviously everything got put on hold. And support-wise at that point, with the clinic giving you counselling, did you have anybody else? I mean, were you in the Insta community at that point? I wasn't, no. Right. And when we were going through all of this, I don't think there really was the Insta community that there is today. Um, so I had a few friends that had been through it who I could speak to, but yeah, I was really low afterwards because I felt really disappointed that you have all your hopes pinned on something and then it didn't happen. And what about your other half? How did he feel? He was really good. He's very much more of just what will be will be. Yeah. And it wasn't meant to be that time, so you know, let's just get better and we'll try again. So I think we waited three months and then we started the frozen cycle and then we got pregnant. And were you, how nervous were you starting the frozen cycle knowing what the drugs had done to you before? Not as, because I knew I didn't have to have my eggs collected. Yeah, it's different stages. But if I ever had to get to the point again where I'd have to have my eggs collected, I think I would seriously consider not doing it just because I wouldn't want to go through that again. I know that they would be aware of it this time, but it would really put me off having to do it again. So yes, then after I had my daughter, I miraculously got pregnant naturally, um, which took me by surprise, um, because I didn't expect it would ever happen. And sadly, seven weeks later, I had a miscarriage. And then I got pregnant again, which again was a surprise, quite quickly afterwards. And then we got to our seven week scan and we had a heartbeat. And everything looked as it should be, and I felt pregnant. So I thought, okay, we've we've got over the hurdle because my previous two miscarriages had been at seven weeks. So we'd got to seven weeks, we'd had a heartbeat, went to our ten week scan, and there was no heartbeat. Mm. And I had a miscarriage, which really hit me because 
I hadn't fully believed that it was going to happen because I don't think you ever do. But I had started to think, well, maybe this time we're going to come home with a baby. So to find out there wasn't a heartbeat was really difficult. And I was really low and I didn't really know what I was going to do. And I knew I had to pull myself together. How old was your daughter at this point? She had just turned one. Right, so really little. Yes. Um, so I had to be a mum. So I, had to, I couldn't hide, I, couldn't, I had to carry on. But I, I didn't feel like myself anymore. I felt like five years of being on this roller coaster and I'd lost myself and I didn't know what to do. So at the time I was reading Jessica Hepburn's 21 Miles and I felt hugely inspired by her attitude and, and her challenges and I thought, wow, this is incredible and if she can do something so positive out of something so awful, then... I need to do something. So I downloaded Couch to 5K and I started running because I wanted to make myself feel better and obviously hormones and fertility drugs and all of that, you put on weight. So you'd not really run before? Not really, like on and off, but I wouldn't ever say I was a sporty person or someone who enjoyed exercise, that wasn't me. But suddenly I found this new passion that I never knew I had and I just, every time I'd get to that, wow, I can run for five minutes without stopping and that buzz when I'd get home. And I was like, wow. So I set myself the goal of getting to 5K and my sister said to me, why don't you sign up for the half marathon for Tommy's? And I was like, oh no, I'm not ready. I can't do that. And I was like, what have I got to lose? Like, let's give it a go. I, you know, everything else has been far scarier. Yeah. I'm sure I, you know, I'll give it a go. So I signed up and I got a place and I was like, oh my goodness, now I'm doing I'm this, committed. I'm committed and I've got to do it. And I was like, how am I going to keep motivated? And if running makes me feel this good, then maybe I can help other women who have been in similar situations because it's really isolating and it's really lonely yeah. and I can't be the only person that feels like this. So I decided to set up a running club, which everyone was quite astounded by, the girl who hates sports and exercise. Brilliant. So when you say you set up a running club, what did you do first? Who did you go to? So I set up an Instagram account and I set up a website and I decided that we would launch our first run in Hartford in September. And it's then, 2019? Yes, 2019. Yeah. Um, We're talking January 2020, so this is, this is new. Yeah, really it new. is really new. And I just started contacting people on Instagram to ask if they would like to come along and they would like to join me. Um, and I'm lucky that in Hartford there's a really good like social media presence and lots of women supporting each other. So through that community, loads of people helped me and supported me and shared it. And we had, I think, 25 women turned up to the first run, which Brilliant. I was absolutely shocked by. I mean, it was a dream come true, but I thought... Had you planned the route well? Uh, yes, I yeah. had, yeah. yeah we're <laughs> Just going to run, guys. Yeah. No, I'm doing. I know, I was trying to keep it like, you know quite relaxed but then I was like oh my goodness all these people are coming like I thought did you have marshals or anything no 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 so it was just we like, kept, I want you to, gotta stick yeah, with me we'll yeah. see how we do so I normally do it that me and my friend do it together so I don't want people to feel they can't come if they can't run yeah because it's about getting out and meeting other people so we normally check at the start who wants to run who wants to walk and then I go with the runners and my friend Gemma goes with the girls who like to walk so no one gets lost or left behind and we had a lovely run along the towpath, along the canal, and it was just beautiful. 
and then we went back to a lovely venue and had cake because that's our reward. Nice. So all of our runs always end with cake. Great. <laughs> Is that what you're doing at Tatton? You're going to the little cottages? Yeah, we're going to have cake at Tatton. There's always yeah. got to be cake. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, okay, we've had like a couple of months of doing it. Tell me where the different runs have been so far. Yes, so obviously we had Hartford September. Then at the end of September, we launched in Leamington Spa. Um, and I have a lovely lady there who's carried that on, which is wonderful. And then in October, we went to Richmond and we had a special run for Baby Loss Awareness Week. And that run, we had 40 women came. I saw that picture. It's which brilliant. was like astounding. And everyone had their Strong Girls t-shirts on and it was really powerful. And it was such a lovely experience. And I think people are scared about coming along, understandably, yeah. because they don't know what to expect and it's meeting people in real life and it's quite daunting and I appreciate that, mm. you know. But it's always really uplifting because I think you just come away feeling like I'm understood and I'm not the only person who has these thoughts and feelings. And although it's, you know, the, the stories are incredibly sad sometimes, there's a power in being together and knowing you're not alone. Mm. And it's, you know, it's really uplifting and really inspiring to see all these women together. And I think, like you say, taking yourself into that real-life situation, if you've met people online and, and we've seen the power of the Instagram community and more and more in-person events that are happening and, and, and the power of that community, you know, coming together, I think it's amazing. And I think it's amazing that you're, you're now kind of working your way around the UK, yes. basically. Yes, yeah, so that's the plan, to okay. try and get round as many places as we can. So after Richmond, we went on to Windsor. Um, and then, Nice venues, yes, Tuesday. Yes. And then we went to Brighton. And then we also have ladies in Sheffield who have set up a club there and another lady in Bournemouth. Um, so we're slowly growing and it's just, yeah, it's remarkable. And it really means a huge deal that everyone has embraced this idea. Yeah. And they're on board. And you're in Birmingham yesterday. Yes, we were in Birmingham yesterday. Okay. So. And then, so it's a Sunday in Manchester. It's so grey. And I woke up this morning, and we've got this conservatory where the rain sounds so loud on it, and I could hear the rain. And I sent you a message. I'm so, I'm so sorry. Like I'm in control of the weather <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, it's your fault. <laughs> but if you turn up somewhere and the numbers aren't that high, how does that make you feel? At first, I felt really like. If we get one or two ladies turn up, then it's amazing. And then I thought I got a bit carried away because, you know, at Hartford we had 25 come. But actually, the ladies that come are the ladies that need it. Yeah. And that's all that matters. And it's not about numbers. And actually, when it is a smaller group, it's really intimate. And you get a chance to talk to everybody because sometimes... You know, when there's 40 women there, you don't get to speak to everybody. And I always feel bad that I don't get to chat to everyone so it's quite nice when it's a small group because then everyone gets to chat and then I think that's helped to build little communities in different yeah. areas and then those women stay in touch with each other so I hope someone will turn up this morning. Me too I wish we could put this out live right now but I will chat to me on my Insta stories anyway but um, the hope is that people if they're doing it in a certain location that they'll, they'll carry on and you'll support them yes. to do that. Yeah and that's my my plan that if people want to carry on then that's amazing um, yeah, and then I just support them by advertising on Instagram and then sharing it on my website so that people can find out what's going on closest to them. 
So just say your Insta so people can follow and if they've, if they've not already seen you and, yes, and you've fine. got some gorgeous rainbow stuff going on with your top. Are, yes. you, are you going to be making some merchandise? Yes, so we have an online... So I'm a mother of one on Instagram and it's the rainbowrunningclub.co.uk and we have an online store where we have some very sparkly <laughs> rainbow and yoga running jumpers, leggings and t-shirts and we donate £5 from each to Tommy's. Amazing. So... And they've been really popular. And I, it's great because when I turn up somewhere, people know who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was talking to Jessica Hepburn in the week and she's getting ready to climb Everest yeah. uh, in March. And we were having a big chat and um, I'm hoping I can keep as close to tabs on her as possible. And I know that she will be, you know, so thrilled that, you know, her work because you know how passionate she is about yes. the support and also kind of reaching you in different ways at different stages and I know that she'd just be delighted to know that you know she well, was she was I actually, got to, with her. I actually got to meet Jessica good. on Friday oh, and we good. went for a run together oh. so that that was a dream come true really <laughs> oh good because I was gonna say yeah, yeah she, she was um, really excited on board and really supportive good. so that's been amazing oh. and it was so lovely to be able to see her in person and to tell her how much of an impact her book had had so oh I'm so pleased yeah. So, uh, I need to let you go yeah. to go and get ready. And if people want to get in touch, it's just the easiest way is really on, on Instagram. Yeah, or they can email me via the website. Okay. Um, yes. We'll so. put your email details in yeah. with this. Um, well, good luck. Thank you Have you got much. a number of runs that you're hoping to do for 2020? No, not at the moment. I mean, we've got 10 events going on in January, which wow. is amazing. And we're starting to do yoga events too. Tell me a bit about them. So we just felt like yoga really complemented the running and just the chance to connect, reconnect your mind and body because I think there's a lot of conflict between the two when you're going through infertility. Mm. And just a nice space to have some time out to relax. So we started yoga evenings in October. And today we're now going to announce that we're launching in Manchester and Brighton. Is that with Northern Sky? Yes, with Northern Sky. So really excited about that. Okay, great. Um, And we've got a retreat day coming up in London and a retreat weekend. So hopefully loads of exciting things coming. Oh, that's really exciting. Okay, cool. Well, watch this space. Keep me posted. Yes, I will do. And good luck today. I think the rain stopped. (gasps) Please. The rain (laughs) stopped. All we need now is, I don't know if I can promise, sun. Just, just no rain will yeah. be fine. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of rain is okay. Yeah, but, but not like horizontal. Sure. No. <laughs> well, Lucy, lovely to meet you. Thank you for coming Thank to you my for house. Me. And I'm sorry I can't come on the run, but um, next time I'll come and do the, the yoga in Manchester. Yeah, that would be great. All right, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I loved chatting with Lucy. She was so nice. And that top, I'll put a picture um, when I share the episode. You might have seen um, the tops that Lucy's made. They are um, like black with a lovely sparkly rainbow and they just make you smile. Um, What did you think? Yeah, well, first going back to the tops, I I thought they were lovely. I had a look and she's also got a yoga one. And as I'm doing, and as as we're both doing our yoga with Adrienne for January, I thought "Mm, I might treat myself to one of those. They're really nice. Oh, I need to have a look because she has just invited me. They're doing a yoga retreat. Uh, in February in London Amazing. they've also announced as you will have heard her talking about um, doing some yoga in Manchester so again a lovely yeah. way to like join like-minded people ultimately and whether you can run that fast or not it's just nice to be doing something outside that's active with people that get you yeah I just think it's such an amazing idea because I know you know a lot of people do group runs because they gain so much from it 
on a kind of a running level and also the, the, the challenge and the fact that you feel really motivated when you're, when you're running with other people. So to, to combine that with the reasons that she's doing it for, to, for women to get together that have had gone through a, a pregnancy loss, I just think it's such an amazing idea. I just I love the idea and I really want to get her here. <laughs> I want to go running with her. She's not based too far from you, actually. She's in Biggleswade in Bedfordshire. Oh, so right. She's not that yeah. far. You'll know that I pushed her a bit on the OHSS because I just think that more of us need to talk about it. And I know mm. it's something that you're keen to just expand on a bit, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it, my my first uh, first time I ever came across a patient with OHSS was uh, many years ago when I was working on a gynae ward. And I still remember it. This lady was suffering from severe OHSS. And I think it's it's something that the term's banded around quite a lot, but I think there's, there's still very much not known you know it's not really discussed as to what that means and particularly there's so many different levels so the reason why OHS starts in the first place is that obviously during IVF you're having your ovaries stimulated to produce lots and lots of follicles and sometimes you can overstimulate mm. and there are people that have particular risk factors so one for example is women with um, PCOS because they, they will make many follicles anyway and then you're overstimulating the ovaries further so you can end up having you know too many follicles and the important thing with OHSS is that women need to be monitored really carefully when they're having this type of treatment and the re reason why is because it is or can be in, in severe and this is quite rare but in severe cases it can be life-threatening which I think is not necessarily known about too much. Mm. But kind of mild OHSS, many women will experience a little bit of that. They can might notice some abdominal swelling, um, feel a kind of bit of discomfort, nausea. And then moderate tends to be even more swelling, um, quite quite extensive swelling in the abdomen, and can, can also go up to the chest, and you can end up kind of vomiting with that. But severe is extreme swelling. You've got so much fluid on the chest and the abdomen, it can result in problems with your kidney and liver and like I said can potentially shut down the organs and be life-threatening so it is a serious condition for sure. And it's something that I know Sarah from IVF Babel has shared her story it's something that she experienced really badly and it's also a previous conversation that I had with a fertility um, expert called Raj Mather who's based up in Manchester and I'll put a link to that conversation because I also got him to explain a bit more about OHSS mm. so if you are wanting more info it's really good though to have you explain it because I think um as you heard Lucy say, I mean, she had it pretty badly. And it must mm. be so scary then to go through something like that and then try again, going through the IVF process. Absolutely. I suppose with the worry that it's going to happen again. But I think just with IVF, when you have an IVF cycle, your doctors learn from that IVF mm. cycle and maybe do things differently the second cycle. It's the same with OHSS. If you've had it once before, they're going to be really carefully monitoring you. So the chances of it happening again are pretty remote because you're going to be you know, looked after a lot more yeah. to make sure that you don't run into problems. Yeah, exactly. It's like the unknown, isn't it, unfortunately, mm. when you start out. And Lucy had also talked about how she'd miscarried. And I know that was something as well that you wanted to just talk a bit more about. Yeah, I want to talk about the different types of miscarriage because there are so many, so many. And I think there's a lot of terminology that is bounded about and not really understanding it. Yeah. So if I start from the kind of the beginning and go the right way through. So the first one that I think is you hear about quite a bit on social media because it is so very common is a chemical miscarriage. And really that means that it's a, a term that's given to when a pregnancy ends 
in a miscarriage before the five weeks of pregnancy. Now, traditionally, we probably wouldn't have necessarily known, a woman wouldn't necessarily known at that point that she was pregnant. But because our pregnancy tests now are so advanced and so good at picking up early pregnancy levels of human chorionic gonadotrophin, then we find out a lot earlier than we probably would have done. So obviously that then causes women to feel very distressed because they they know that they have miscarried. And I think it's important to know that chemi- a chemical pregnancy is still a pregnancy um, and so therefore it should have the same amount of attention given to, given to it as far as grief is concerned as to any of the others. It still can be very difficult for many women. And the next one is a threatened miscarriage and that's exactly as it sounds. It's when a woman might experience some bleeding or some pain but if she was examined by her doctor then her cervix and the entrance of the cervix which is called the os is closed and that will either resolve and go on to have a normal pregnancy or that might be the beginning of a, an early miscarriage. Um, but a threatened miscarriage is very scary. I had one with my second baby when we were in Portugal at the time on holiday. Oh and it was it was really worrying. Yeah. Um, but obviously, luckily, it went on and I had Archie, who's now six foot five and 15, almost 16. And then inevitable miscarriages, again, as it sounds, it's inevitable. The cervix actually is open if you examine so that the doctors will say, you know, this is going to be a miscarriage that does occur. And again, with that, you'll be getting bleeding and probably some abdominal pain. Complete, complete miscarriage means miscarriage has occurred. There's no um, pregnancy tissue left in the in the uterus. So effectively, you have completely miscarried. And then an incomplete means that the miscarriage has occurred, still got tissue remaining in the uterus. And again, you can have extended bleeding and pain with that. And often that would need to be resolved generally with some minor surgery. It's called an evacuation to retain products of conception or a DNC is another word for it, because you don't want to have the risk of possible infection. That can be quite a difficult one for women to to go through really was as they all are but that one you know because it's quite extended and then the next one really that is again quite commonly talked about is what's called a missed miscarriage it's it's now being called more a delayed miscarriage because I think missed miscarriage is a bit confusing and, and it's not a great great name I don't think I never understood it yeah it's it's a funny one but that means when you have a scan and there's no heartbeat. Uh, the pregnancy symptoms might start have started to disappear or would start to disappear after that. Some women might get some bleeding, like some brown loss. But that is devastating because until you go for your scan, you you know you feel that you're pregnant. You know that you're pregnant. You go for your scan, there's no heartbeat. So it's a real shock, really horrible one. So by them calling it a missed miscarriage, it's almost like it's saying you, you've miscarried, but you've not had the miscarriage. Yes, yes. It's not a great term. So I'm pleased to see that it's... I'm seeing more and more delayed right. now terminology, which is much better. And then there's other three others, which are, again, a bit confusing. Um, an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that occurs either in the uterus or sometimes on rare occasions outside the uterus. Commonly it occurs in the fallopian tubes and it's where an egg has been fertilized in the fallopian tubes. And for some reason, the pregnancy hasn't been able to continue down into the uterus to implant. So it starts to implant in the fallopian tubes. And clearly, your fallopian tubes are tiny, so the pregnancy can't get very large before you start to notice maybe some pain. In severe circumstances, you can have some bleeding as well. And again, in very, very severe circumstances, it can rupture the fallopian tube and can be life-threatening. But again, that's very unusual. Molar pregnancy, that's where, this is an odd one as well, it's where the pregnancy doesn't develop correctly. It's quite a long follow-up with this one because you can't conceive for about 
six to possibly even 12 months after you've had a molar pregnancy really? uh, because there's occasional risk of the molar pregnancy and the change of the cells during in that pregnancy then going into the endometrium the lining of the womb and can in rare occasions cause a, a, a kind of cancer risk so Gosh. it's a yeah yeah and then the last one is a blighted ovum and that's where the sac develops um, but there's no embryo and, and it appears that the embryo has probably been reabsorbed back into the um, uterus as it, as it didn't develop. So those are the kind of eight odd words that are sometimes difficult to understand and, and, and know the differences between them all. And one of the things we said at the start of this episode that Kate and I are, are trying to do is work out what you need as far as content. And we've realised that there's so many more conversations needed to be had around miscarriage and we're working on a like a little mini series talking to some experts and some people that are sharing their stories but if there's some of the different types that Kate's mentioned there that are the more unusual ones and that's something that you've experienced and and would like to talk about it with us you know definitely do get in touch if if you're comfortable you can do it anonymously if you like but um I think what we're just trying to do is get as many different examples so people can can hear people's experiences because sometimes as we still know sadly People aren't talking enough about this until it's too late and then the suffering's and often in silence, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I'm really excited about our our series on baby loss because we've got so much great information to share, so many amazing resources. Mm. And hopefully it'll be helping our listeners as we go through it all. Well, we'll be talking more about it as we've said. Uh, for now though, what we'll do is we'll make sure all of Luce's details are on the show notes for this episode of course you can get in touch with us you can follow me at fertility Poddy and kate how can people follow you um, on instagram at your fertility journey and also on um, facebook on your fertility journey also you can come and join our closed facebook group which is called talk fertility where kate is an admin there and it's basically a place to continue the conversation and we are hoping to do a bit more in there this coming year maybe Kate will pop up a bit more if I can book time in her busy schedule but it's where you can ask more questions and we hope to keep them answered if there's questions on the episodes that we've done and um, yeah it's just another place for you to come and be part of the community thank you as always for listening Please do rate, review, subscribe and share this podcast. We love hearing from you and knowing what you think. Thank you as always for your support and until the next time.